All right, guys, you can take a seat. That's what we're talking about today, life and death. We're in James chapter 1, so there should be some Bibles floating around, or you can scroll open your phone. There'll be words on the screen, too, but there's something about having a Bible in your hand. So James chapter 1, and we're looking at verses 12 through 15. Now, this new series that we're in is called The Awakening, and here's what the series is about. Waking up to the life that God has called you to live here on this earth. Waking up to you becoming who you are truly meant to be. Waking up that there is more at stake than you realize. Awakening. And today, here's what we're going to see. Every single one of us, me, you, us, all of you, here's what we're doing. We're on a trajectory. We're on a path. And that path is either taking us closer to a death that might last forever or closer to a life that will last forever. We are on a trajectory and we are moving one way or the next. And there are small movements that we are making each day. And these movements in one direction are, are more critical and more costly or more rewarding than you have any idea of. And so here's a, here's a quick summary of today. Every person will face trials in your life. You will face trials. And those trials can morph into two things. That one trial will morph either into a temptation that takes you into sin and death, or that trial will morph into a test that once passed transforms you. Two very different roads. This one trial, the same thing, will take you in two different directions. And so if you're a Christian, well, it's still true. It's still the case. There are movements towards life and there are movements backwards towards death. And that's what we're talking about today. Uh, and, and ultimately, these small movements are they, are, they are glaring the reality of an ultimate life and an ultimate death. So let me read our verses for you. James chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire... When it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, brings forth death. Today's a bit intense. And when James says this word death, he's not being specific. He's being very broad. He's, he's doing it on purpose. He wants us to see the full scope of death, meaning there are small steps towards death that we make every single day or small steps towards life. And each step towards death kills us a little bit. It depresses us a bit. It digs us deeper down into a pit. But each step towards life is us becoming more of who we're made to become. And these, well, let's say it this way. When we think of death and the reality of it, it's like the waters of death are building upon us. And they are raging and they are roaring. 
And the only thing that's holding death back from swallowing you up right now is the very hand of God that is functioning like a floodgate that is keeping those waters of death back. And they are raging and they are pounding against the hand of God and they want after you. And death has a claim on you. Death has a right towards you. Because every... uh, Okay, sin... Here's the problem. Heaven is a place of perfection. It's a place of perfect love. Any ounce of sin that enters into a place or remnants of sin that enters into a place that is perfect makes that place no longer perfect. So God, with intensity, dislikes sin. He hates it. Told you, it's it's a bit intense today. And here's the thing, there are decisions, there's sin, there's unbelief in your life, there's rebellion against God, and when that rebellion comes against God, it's like the waters build up more. You're adding to the waters, it's stirring and it's raging more and more and more. And they have claim on you. Or consider it like this, death is like a caged lion or caged lion's. And they are growling, they are snarling, and they are foaming at the mouth, and they have a claim on you. And the only thing holding them back from tearing you apart is the very hand of God that is keeping the door of that cage closed. And they could be released upon you at any moment. I mean, the justice of God demands, told you it's intense today, the justice of God demands that at some point these lines be released. And, 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 and as the waters rage behind the hand of God, every once in a while, a little bit of this water slips out between his fingers and it touches you and it burns because it's, this, it's, it's death touching you just a little bit, just a little bit. So every sin, every unbelief, every part of us that's just rebelling against God, we're touched by this, the, the caustic power of sin, like this chemical that burns us and, and it hurts and it scars us and it wounds us and one day the lions will be released ultimately and the floodgates will be opened up and look at us we have no idea we're not thinking about this in fact we would rather not think about these gates that are being pounded by death waiting to be opened up. We would rather not think about these lions that want us like prey, like a lion watches a gazelle, this, this dark, deathly lion that wants us. We'd rather just not think about it. And so when you talk to someone about sin and death, it's like you're breaking this unspoken rule that we don't talk about things that are so very real. And so we go on our day working and toiling, going to work, pretending like none of this is happening. Or we think about something that somebody said to us that day that maybe felt a little bit wrong, and so we, we, we think over and over and over about it, trying to figure out what happened there. All the while, there are things that are way more important for us to be thinking about. Or we just get a little bit hungry, and we think about what we're going to eat, and we focus in on that. And when life slows down enough at the end of the day, we don't want to think about death, so we turn to the bottle in order to depress that reality. Or we, turn, or, or we flip open Facebook and, and we get lost in this abyss of social media. 
Or we turn on the TV, but we better not watch anything that makes us think of death. Like we turn on the presidential election and we get so involved in that. All the while, death is raging for us. But all, And I'm not saying it's not important to think about the presidential election. Okay, great. Think about it. Good job. But don't forget the pounding of the gates. Our, death is pounding and ready to be after you. And not just you, the people that you love. Do you see what I'm saying? There's far more important things for us to be thinking about, and we'd rather just not think about those things. But God wants us to look. And he wants us to look because he has made a, he has made a way for us to escape death. But you got to look, but we don't. And so here's what he does. In order to get us to look, he sends these trials our way to get us to, to wake up. Now, these trials, can they will morph. This one trial will morph into one of two things. It will either become a test that if you pass, you will come out the other side transformed, or that same trial can morph into a temptation that will take you down and steal you deeper into death, deeper into this pit, and deeper into despair. The, the Greek word for, for test and temptation is the same word. And it's being used here. And it all depends on how you're approaching your trial that is before you. Abraham was tested by God, and he passed the test. So it was called a test. But here's the thing. If Abraham would have failed the test, it would have been considered a temptation because God cannot tempt you. Adam and Eve in the garden. There's either a test that they pass that will lead to their flourishing and Eden to be spread out across all the earth or a, t or a temptation that they fail that will cause Eden to be lost forever. David and Goliath, there is a test to be passed that if he faces Goliath and beats him, then he will be transformed and all of Israel will live. But if he fails, fails, it means it's a temptation that he gave into, and all of Israel is done for. That was a good point. I don't know what that sound was, but it's like the light bulb went off. You have to think of this, the, the, think of this as a trial, but a trial as fire. So, so we've been talking about this. So when it says the word test, it means it's going back to the Old Testament, and it's talking about this word smelting. And here's what it means. There's a test before you, a fire before you. And if you walk into that fire and face this trial, then here's what happens. You enter in, and you're like gold, but there's all these impurities on you. And when you smelt precious metal like gold, what happens is all the impurities melt off of you. And you come out of the test, out of the trial, like gold. But if, if that trial turns into a temptation, well, then you go into the fire and you get burned by the sting of death. And it takes you down a bit more. It deforms you a little bit. Here's the lesson. If you don't embrace a trial as a test that you must pass and then be transformed on the other side, then it deforms you a bit. And here's what you do. It hurts. The trial is hurting. So what do you do? Well, you look around and you say, well, I don't want all these things that are falling off of me to fall off. And so all these impurities that begin to fall off, you grab them and put them right back on you. And then finally, you get through the trial. And as you come out the other side, you say, that hurts so bad. I have all these wounds. I need to cover them up. And so you find more impurities to 
cover you up. Or you see some water down there and you say, oh, this water will heal these burns. And what you're really, you're flirting with death. You're touching the sting of death when you touch that water and it burns you even more. And it, make, it just takes you down this road and down this trail where it's just this destruction. So it's so important that you see this. A trial will morph into a temptation or a test. And in verse 2, go back. James says, count it joy when you face trials of various kinds. Why? Because it's going to transform you. So if you are so laser-focused in on your transformation, a trial will come and you'll say, aha, it's a trial. I'm going to make this a test that I pass by the grace of God and by clinging to him. And by doing that, then I will come out transformed. But if you don't do that, if you don't embrace it as a test, it becomes a temptation and then it just pulls you down and it deforms you. Instead of transforming, it deforms. And this is what Jesus means by if you lose yourself, you will find yourself. Okay, think about this. So you're clinging to yourself. You're trying to find yourself. And what Jesus is saying is let the fire burn off all the impurities. Let it fall to the ground, all of the current parts of you that are not meant to be you, and they fall to the ground, and then you find yourself. So by losing yourself, you find yourself. But if you hold on to those impurities, well, here, here's the thing. There's all these deaths involved each day, and those deaths can either be voluntary or involuntary. And if you embrace them, it actually transforms you and makes you more alive. So the point is, well, James is saying volunteer for these trials. It, it means this. Jesus say, saying, what does Jesus say? This, this famous line that, you know, we're like, oh, Jesus, I wish you would have not said that. He says, take up your cross and follow me. What he's saying is enter into the suffering that this world will bring you voluntarily. <laughs> Don't run from it, but embrace it. Now, this is exactly opposite of the way we think right? But I want to tell you something. So I've been studying psychologists and psychology as of late, and here is something that keeps coming up. The psychologist will say that if trials come your way, and you face it, and you embrace those trials, you're going to have strength to get through them. But if those trials come, and you run from them, and you're terrified of them, the trials are still going to come and catch you. But guess what? Because you aren't embracing them, it actually makes you slip into a depression and spiral worse and worse and worse. So it's crazy. It's like, it's like the psychologists have discovered something that Jesus said 2,000 years ago. Like maybe we need to start listening to what he says and just say he's right. And I don't quite understand how he's right, but I know that he's right. Because, well, the psychologists have just discovered it. I have news to break to you. Life in this world, you will suffer here. But there's a choice in how you're going to go about it. Will you face it head on, the strength of Christ, or will you run? And the thing is, you're going to run like hell trying to get away from it, but what's going to be happening is actually hell's going to be capturing you all the more. In, in the book of Acts, Paul Paul's a brave man, and Paul is passionate 
about people discovering the truth of Jesus. And so he goes to this town and he starts telling people about Jesus and people are coming to faith, but then the religious elite are not happy about this. So they come in and they say, he is tricking you. Christianity is not a thing. And so they convince him, convince the town, some of the people to pick up stones and stone him. This is how people were killed. Like this is the death penalty back then. So all these people picked up stones and they start throwing it at him. He hits the ground and they keep doing it until they think he's dead. And then they leave. It turns out he's not. So he gets up, brushes himself off. He goes to the next town. And he does the same exact thing in this next town. And people come to faith. And then he says, I'm going back to the town that tried to kill me. And he gets back there. And, and look at what it says. He gets back into that town. And he strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the, in the faith. And saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So he just suffered to the point of death. He counts it as joy because of the transformation that happens to not just him, but to the people around him that hear it. So what's he saying? When you venture further and further into the kingdom of God, well, you're going to walk through some trials. In fact, as you seek his kingdom, like we said, and seek to bring others into his kingdom, it doesn't mean you're going to have less trials. It might mean that there's going to be more trials coming your way. But count it as joy, because each trial can be a test that if you pass, you become transformed by it. This is a whole change in mindset, like completely, that what we do. Embrace the trial. This is like if you've seen the Rocky movies, like every time that Rocky gets punched, it's like it makes him stronger. It's weird, but it's happening. And that's the, it's like it gets him angry, and he just is ready to fight even more. Well, for the Christian, each trial, if you face it as a test, will strengthen you, and it will refine you and transform you more into the version of you you're meant to become. And this is a game changer for me, because let me tell you, so in the past when I'm struggling with sin, I'm like, okay, temptation's coming, don't sin, don't sin, and then I say to God, God, there is no way for me out of this except for your glory. Make, make, make me know how great you are, your glory, your beauty, and your worth, so I can see that it's way better than this sin. And that's right for me to do it, except there's, there's a problem. I made myself too much of a victim in it, and I made it like, ah. Oh, this is a temptation I'm just going to fall right into. Versus, now, temptation comes, ah, here's a test. That if I pass, I will be transformed by it. So this is the complete mindset change. You guys, you feel a temptation coming your way. You know what I'm talking about. You know what it feels like. So you feel this temptation and you say, ah, what do I do? Ah, stop. Change of mindset. This is a test. And if I pass this test, I come out transformed on the other side. And, and remember, it said various types of trials, so this could be anything. It's just not the lure of sin. It's physical pain, loss, heartbreak. If you have a broken heart, walk through it voluntarily because you know that if you will voluntarily walk through it versus running from it, then on the other side of it, what you're going to find or through it is that, ah, oh, Jesus is the greater love. And I have him, and he's been there with me the whole time. He could get me through the fire. But that same heartbreak can turn into temptation. And then you'll start thinking, maybe I'm not lovable. Maybe I'm ugly. 
Maybe this whole love thing isn't worth it. And then you'll see people around you in love and you'll start to despise them. You'll be jealous of them and you'll hate them. And look at what has just happened. Death has a greater hold on you and it is pulling you in. And then James says, when you fall into temptation and then you do sin, it's not because of God tempting you. He can't tempt you. It's because of something inside of you. So it says God can't tempt. So what makes you fall in? Because it says it gives temptation, which births sin, which then grows up and matures into death. So look at what it says. Temptation is when you are lured and enticed by your own desires. And then this desire that you have gives birth to sin. Like you have a baby and his name is sin. And then baby sin grows up into death. So here, here's what the picture is. You have death, like death is like the grim reaper and death wants you, but can't get to you because the hand of God is holding you back. So what does death do? Cast, cast the lure out. He, death goes fishing and finds the thing that will entice you the most and throws it your way because it's looking, death sees your desire, so it throws it, entices you because it's being held off. And so the trial comes Death casts the bait, and then these desires within you that are evil, you believe a lie, you fall for the trick, whatever it is, you get caught by death, and death starts reeling you in. And each turn of the reel is you dying a little bit inside. Your soul darkens a bit, more and more at each turn. And the opposite of this, verse 12 it says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Now, this word blessed, well, the word blessed means you are already in a state of spiritual health. The person who is blessed is not blessed because they didn't take the bait. They were already blessed. They were already spiritually healthy, and that is why they let the bait pass them by. They're a smart old fish. So it's like this. You, you come to... To, to know Christ, and he blesses you with this new grace that is irresistible, that you fix your eyes upon, that when the lure comes by, when the enticement comes by, you don't look, but you're like this. Because you see that your God has done everything for you, and you say, this is a God who I am not taking my eyes off of. But if you take the bait, because in that moment, you are in a spiritually unhealthy state, so you go for it, and death starts luring you in. And each time you take the bait, right, so you've got this desire within you, right, this desire within you, and, and the, the bait comes. And as the bait comes, here's what it looks like. It's like the bait is the male seed, and your desire is the female egg. And then you take the bait. You've been impregnated. And then it's time to push, and you push out sin. And that sin, over time, grows up, and it's death. That's exactly the imagery that James uses here. So, you have this little child, not a real child, it's an imagery child. It's an imaginary child that James wants you to think about, and this imaginary child is sin. And the sin grows up and matures into death. You don't believe me? Go back to the verse. Read it. Here, I'll read it to you. 
But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives forth death. Children will change your, like real children will change your life when they're born. And they will dominate you. They will control you. And they will make you their slave. And they'll scream until they are fed. And they will bring all kinds of waste into the world. And as soon as you fall asleep, they wake up, and they cry, and they're ready to be fed, and they're ready to be changed over and over and over again. And that's what sin will do to you. It will cause this chain reaction, dominate you, physically, spiritually, socially. Not a real child. A real child gives birth to love into this world, but this child here that is birthed by the desires and the lure of death, gives birth to sin and death itself. And it will make you a slave. It's like the fisherman who throws out the lure and you take the bait and you're pulled up into the boat. As soon as you get in that boat, you're like a slave to that boat, meaning you're a slave to your sin. And then that fisherman of death drives, takes the boat and fillets you up, fries you up and eats you. Serious stuff. Each sin makes you more entrapped, more held, more imprisoned. And it makes you less of who you're meant to be. Why do you think, I mean, every time a new sin comes into your life, it was like, that was so hard. I I did this. I can't believe I did this. And the next time it was a little easier. And the next time it's a little bit easier. And the next thing you know, you're flying down the road, sinning so easy. It's time to change directions. You know, what happened? It's like you were in a trance and you had no idea what you were doing. And it was like, sometimes this happens, like somebody finds out about like a sin that we've been hiding and it's like all of a sudden it becomes clear to you that it was wrong. But you had no idea it was wrong. It was because you were in this trance. So how do you keep yourself from getting in the trance? Well, it says steadfast and endurance meaning faith. So we talked about this last week. What is, what is active steadfastness? What is endurance? It is faith that's stretched out. So here's your biggest problem in life right now, is you're losing faith. And the way for you to have more faith is to take your experiences of God that you had in the past that were so real to you, that feel like they were too long ago, and you take those experiences and you hold on to them tightly and you bring them up into the present. You hold on to them. And then you take this future promise, hope, where life, as it's always been meant to be, no hurting death or pain, you cling to it. And you cling to both these past experiences and the future hope, and you hold on to them so tightly. And when you do, you're not movable. The lure of sin doesn't have a hold of you. You're steadfast. You're not moving. It's got nothing on you. So instead of being hooked by this enticing lure of death, you're fixed in on Christ, your Savior, your King, your Lord. The trials that come at you will make you or break you, and it all depends on how you see them. Is this a test that will transform me? If I rely on the power of Christ, or is this going to turn into a temptation that will take me down? 
This is why in the Old Testament, do you know there's a word that comes up in the Old Testament all the time? It's remember. God is always telling his people in the Old Testament, remember what I've done for you. Remember what I've done for you. Remember. Why is he telling them to remember? Because we so easily forget. So faith, we have to stretch it out. This was a long time ago. It feels like so far that I had this experience with God. Take it and bring it to now. Because when you felt it, it felt real. So remember. Faith stretched out leads to life. Sin stretched out leads to death. But still, all have sinned. And the wages of sin is death. One little tiny sin ruins it all. Because now you're cursed. You can't enter into the kingdom of God with this. You can't enter into heaven not perfect because if you do, it makes heaven imperfect. For me, for you, for all of us, the waters of death are upon us. And these lions are caged. They are beating at the door. And at some point, the gates open up and the door of that cage is released. The waters are pounding at the, at the hand of God. And you need to feel the weight of this. You're done for. And the terror, when you see death coming at you, and you see those lions coming at you, and they see you as prey, you're going to want to turn around and run, but there is nowhere you can go because the lions are too quick, and death, the weight of the watery death is too heavy for you to escape. No amount of good works that you do will save you. No president is going to save you from this. No, your mommy and daddy will not save you from this. Your friends will not save you. Your lover will not save you. Nothing will save you, and you can pile up all the good things that you have ever done in your life and put them on the table, and that will not save you. And just before the lion of death rips you apart, the lion of life, who is Christ, steps between you and death. Only something happens. The fight begins, but it does not go the way you thought. The lion of life, Christ, is ripped apart by death on the cross. Why? He took every bit of sin that you had, put it upon him. Every evil desire that you had in your heart, put it upon him. And the right that death had over you no longer had that over you, but over Christ. And so he knew it. It had to be legally accomplished. And so he is ripped apart by death. And the line of death then walks away because it has no claim on you. Its claim went to Christ. But he's dead now. I mean, you look at him, it's the Christ. He is everything that your soul has longed for, and he lies there on the ground, lifeless. In these waters of death that are pounding at the hand of God are released. And when they're released and they're about to swallow you up, Christ again steps in front of you. And he drinks the water of death dry. 
So now there is not one drop that is left for you. But he's dead. And you see him lifeless on the ground. And again, he's everything that you wanted, but he's gone. You feel a loss, a great sense of loss. And so what are you going to do? Well, you hang your head low and you go about everything. And three days later, you look upon the horizon and everything is gone. It's dead. It's dark. You are in a desert land, a wasteland. But then you hear something behind you and you turn. And it's him. And he's risen. And with each step, Flowers pop up, and trees give birth to the ground. Trees are birthed out of the ground. And he comes to you, and you realize he is life. To have him is to have life. You have him. And as you take hold of that, you realize he is the living water. And then life starts sprouting out everywhere. The floods have been diverted. The lions have been tamed. Go to him. And he'll give you life. He'll transform you now. And so when temptation comes and it starts enticing you, and it starts luring you in, say, "Mm, no, not a temptation. This is a test for me to pass, and I have him who is life. So I will walk through this fiery trial with him, the water of life, who will keep me cool all the way through it. And all the impurities will burn off of me, but I will remain. And I will come out like gold because I have him who is life. So go to him. And my hope and my prayer for you is that you return here next week a bit transformed because you saw what was before you as a test. Not a temptation that you will fail, but a test that with him you will pass and then be transformed by it. And that should be the prayer that you have for everyone in this room, for yourself, for all that you love. Completely change your mindset. But you need him. Father, we thank you that you have sent your son. God, I pray that the realities of this raging water of death will be real to us, that we would have the courage to look upon the floodgates being pounded by this death and we would see it and not fear a bit because we know that those waters will be drank up by our Christ. And when we see those lions snarling and biting and foaming at the mouth for us that we would not fear because the lion of life has stood between us and death. God, help us come to you as you have come to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.